Rev it up and welcome to Cars Yeah, show number 2,213. Be prepared to be inspired. This is Cars Yeah, where you'll enjoy interviews with inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Mark Green is here to provide you with a fuel injection of automotive inspiration. So get in, sit down, buckle up, and get ready for a wild ride here on Cars Yeah. Hello, inspiring automotive enthusiasts, and welcome to Cars Yeah. Today, I'm back across the pond. I tend to be in the UK a lot, uh, especially this past year, but that's okay. There are a lot of interesting people there, and I'm with a very special guest by the name of David Tuig. David, welcome to Cars Yeah. Do you have it in gear, and are you ready to release the clutch? I'm in gear, ready to go, Mark. All right, we'll have some fun. Now, I appreciate you taking a little bit of time. I know you've been traveling between uh, France and the UK. You are a busy guy. But before I give you a proper introduction and we talk about your very interesting career in your life, I'd love for you to share one little thing, David, that most people might not know about you. Well, you know, Mark, my, my friends know I'm pretty crazy about bikes. I mean, push bikes and pedal bicycles. But what a lot of folks don't know is that I used to actually race them as a young guy when I was in my teens into my 20s i used to actually race uh, you know road bikes real kind of tour de france stuff it was uh oh, wow. i grew up in ireland in the 80s and it was very popular over there so yeah i have been known to don a pair of uh, spandex lycra shorts but let's keep that between us okay <laughs> okay well that sounds like fun i did a lot of bicycle riding as a kid and would go on some pretty long rides i think one of the longest one day rides i did was about 86 miles down in mexico uh there was a uh, a ride down there that was quite fun that you would ride from the central part of Baja out to the coast. And the first time I did it, I did it with a bunch of friends on Schwinn Stingrays, Ooh. which is a very bad selection of bicycle. I have to tell you that. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Yeah, kind of crazy. My legs were uh, a little worn out by the time I got there. Now I was in, I think we were in junior high at the time. So, you know, I was a 14-year-old teenager, so you could do anything. But uh, I remember coming home uh, in the back of a pickup truck and my legs kept cramping because I was having to sit cross-legged and, oh, that's no fun at all. So the next year I did it on a uh, with on a 10-speed and it was much easier, that's for sure. So well, let me give you a proper introduction. David Tuig is a consultant who works on a variety of topics for his clients. He speaks at private and public events and writes about the car industry for the intercooler in the UK. He published his first book in early 2022 titled Inside the Machine, an engineer's tale of the modern automotive industry. David's a veteran automotive engineering executive with three decades of international experience in automotive design and development. He headed the future automotive team at WIMO and was chief technology officer and chief vehicle engineer at Byton. And before that, he was chief engineer at Alpine, head of vehicle engineering at Renault Sport. That sounds like fun. But prior to that, he led the engineering team responsible for the Renault Zoe one of Europe's best-selling BEVs. David has also worked at Nissan in the UK and Japan. He gets around a little bit. We'll be back in just a moment to learn more about David, but first a word from our sponsors. So please give them a little love. They keep the fuel in the tanks here, of the petrol, I guess, since we're in the UK, and we'll be right back. Autumn has arrived, the weather's changing, and that means your vehicles need extra protection against everything Mother Nature can drop. Covercraft offers you a multitude of layers of protection for your special rides. Are you putting your summer toys away? Watercraft, RV, motorcycles, trailers, or even your patio furniture? Covercraft has a custom fit cover for whatever your need. Covercraft offers you 10 different car cover options. That's right, 
10 for your special vehicle's protection, whether stored inside or out. All carefully crafted into the form and fit with the quality and attention to detail that's been their standard since 1965. And don't forget their custom fit seat covers, pet pad, Fido's going to get wet and muddy, I guarantee it, dash mats, sunscreens, and custom fit floor mats and trunk mats. Whatever the surface you want to protect, Covercraft has your solution. If you use the code ya 21 at Covercraft.com, you'll get 10% off your Covercraft order. That's right, 10% off. Simply use the code YEAH21 at checkout. Come on, Mother Nature, bring it on. Covercraft, protecting the things that move you. I was tired of my rates for my collector car insurance going up every year for no explainable reason. My carrier seemed to be turning into a media company versus an insurance company, and I realized that a portion of my policy premium was paying for all those so-called free media goodies. So I did my homework, I talked to knowledgeable collectors, shopped around, and discovered American Collectors Insurance. They've been serving the collector car hobby since 1976. You last that long by properly serving your customers' insurance need, not with a lot of fluff. ACI is ranked the number one online collector car insurance provider according to Google, Trustpilot, Facebook, and they offer their real person guarantee live support. No never-ending phone loops when you need help. Plus, because you don't use your classic car as a daily driver, you could save up to 40% compared to regular auto insurance. American Collectors Insurance provides agreed value policies. So if you experience a total loss to your collector vehicle or it's stolen, you'll be paid the amount listed on your declaration page, less any deductibles, of course. No ifs, ands, or buts. Give them a call today and ask for your free quote at 866-ACI-YEAH. That's 866-224-9324. Tell them you're a friend of mine, Mark Greens, at Cars Yeah. American Collectors Insurance, classic car insurance designed by collectors for collectors. Fall is here, and you know what that means. Time to put a good coat of protection on your vehicle. I'm teamed up with AutoGeek, and they've been the leading source of auto detailing products, accessories, and expert knowledge for more than 20 years. What started back in 1997 as a small mail-order catalog company grew into a multi-website-based e-commerce store, and that's what they are today. With a large online presence on its own website featuring close to 100 different brands, AutoGeek has grown to be the largest car care retailer in the country. AutoGeek's wholesale program serves accounts in over 30 countries, and its retail sector ships worldwide. If you want to protect your vehicle this fall, and you should, go to AutoGeek.net for the best product selection on the internet today and technical support. AutoGeek.net is where I go for my detailing needs. That's AutoGeek.net. So, David, we are back. Now, you have quite an interesting background. I'd love for you to chat a little bit before we get into this book, because that's why I wanted to talk to you today about this background, because you've worked with so many different companies doing so many different things, and you tend to still do that today as a consultant. How on earth did this career start? And tell us a little bit about some of the adventures. Yeah, sure, Mark. You know, I'm I'm a bit depressed listening to your intro, though, because, you know, you described me as a, as a veteran automotive engineer. The depressing thing is I actually remember when I was a young gun coming up through the ranks, but it seems to be a long time ago now. <laughs> yes, yeah, that's for both of us, my friend. <laughs> so listen, to, to answer your question, 
to be honest, I had a pretty traditional career. I was really lucky to join Nissan straight out of university. You know, I, I, I did my studies in electrical electronic engineering, and I was lucky enough to be recruited into Nissan when Nissan were setting up engineering and manufacturing in, in Europe. And I stayed with Nissan for a long time, 13 years Really lucky as well to live for a couple of years in Japan. And then if you'll remember, there was a certain guy called Carlos Ghosn that came along and made the links between Renault and Nissan. So I got a chance to transfer across to Renault, move to France, learn another language, etc. So I was really with the same company, basically the Nissan-Renault Alliance for, would you believe, 26 years, a long time. Wow. And, you know, one day I, I was kind of, I was there thinking, okay, I'm a, I'm, I'm a lifer. I'm going to see this all the way. Um, but I got a chance to go to California join an EV startup, which we already mentioned, Byton. We might come back to that later. And, um, you know, kind of have a go at the crazy EV startup life in, in California, in the heart of Silicon Valley. And I said, hey, I got to give this a go. And that opened the doors towards other companies. We mentioned Waymo. So I've been lucky enough to work a little bit on autonomous vehicles. And now, as you say, I'm a, I'm a freelance engineer. Um, my official title is consultant, but Mark, Consultant sounds so kind of pompous. I prefer to think of myself as like a, I'm an engineering gun for hire. Um, <laughs> if you remember the movie with Clint Eastwood, High Plains Drifter, remember yes. that movie? Yeah. I like to think of myself as, you know, I'm the Clint Eastwood of the automotive engineering coming in to help out the good guys and uh, hopefully run the bad guys out of town. That's what I like to dream. My life is actually probably a lot more boring than that. Well, that sounds pretty cool. I mean, you wear one, do you wear one of those metal plates under your, your coverall? So if anybody shoots at you, you're, you're going to survive. I love that movie. His, his whole Spaghetti Western series is quite wonderful. You know, one of the things that I was, well, I was warned about, and this is kind of a fun one, but it, it makes me or begs me to ask you the question. I was warned not to ask you about lightweight vehicles and the benefits of small wheels and tires because it might end up being a three-hour show. Uh, I know your your buddy and my friend Ben Headley, who introduced me to you, uh, this little car company. They make vehicles with small little tires, but why should I not be asking you this question? I uh, just do not ask me, Mark, because you you would be inviting me to get up on my hobby horse and just talk about these topics forever. So um, <laughs> I'm a big believer in in lightweight vehicles. I'm extremely frustrated as an engineer that cars are getting bigger, heavier wider, longer, year on year. And I plead guilty. I'm part of the generation of automotive engineers that allow that to happen. I think at some stage we need to work that back, working on more efficient, smaller, lighter vehicles. And one of the evils of that are just the way wheel sizes have grown and grown. Now, you know, big wheels, big rims, they look cool on some vehicles, but for most vehicles, they're actually not only do they not add to the performance of the car, but they actually detract from it. So these are two of my kind of personal crusades are to drive towards smaller, lighter, more efficient vehicles and smaller wheel and tire packages. You know, I, I like the whole concept here because I'm a European sports car fan. I love Porsches and BMWs, I had many M3s, lots of 911s. And the last, I just sold a car this year, a 1987 930 Porsche Turbo. Mm. And I was invited to, well, before COVID, to take that car to a Porsche dealership because they were launching the new Porsche 911. And I pulled it into their showroom there and parked my car next to the new 911. And I stood back and I went, oh, my gosh, what's happened to the 911? It's kind of like the U.S. diets over here. We've all gotten a little too big. And yeah. I was kind of shocked because I'd been around all these cars, but I didn't realize how far we'd come. And then, of course, when you get on a roadway in a small sports car 
and you're surrounded by these giant SUVs, which here in the States, everyone drives an SUV. We have one in our garage. Uh, It's a little bit overwhelming, but I want to stay on this topic for just a minute because you got me intrigued. (laughs) Because these big wheels and tires look cool. But you're you're gonna I hopefully share a little bit of benefit of smaller wheels and tires, but will that work on a bigger car? Because that's gonna look kind of funny. Yeah, for sure. Now we 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 of course have to take design into account and the looks of the car. All right, we can't put a set of tiny 14-inch wheels on a larger vehicle. That that's okay. But if we can constrain or control the overall dimensions of the vehicle, smaller particularly wheels as opposed to tires they have so many benefits if we can reduce the rim size it means we bring back a little bit of sidewall that sidewall has a really important part to play in ride quality it is an important part to play in reducing the vehicle mass and we we get so many benefits and and mark i i I warned you not to get me started sir but um (laughs) i know i'm stepping into this trap aren't i (laughs) one of the things that i'm you know a big believer in is Modern vehicles, we've forgotten what good ride quality feels like. Yes. Um, and slightly older vehicles where we had more of a sidewall, a little bit more of a compliant ride, they had such an excellent ride. And I wish we could share better ride quality with, with more customers these days. But just to pick up on what you said, because, you know, you're talking to a, a fellow 911 fan also. My my week one, my weekend car is a, a 1980 SC. I understand And you're 100%. You're 100% right, sir. That that narrow G-body 911, when you drive it, especially on you know a lot of our roads in Europe are are, are, are narrower than, than you, you guys' roads over there. Not only can you safely drive the car sticking to your side of the road, but you can actually position it within your lane. You can take a nice line. You don't have to worry, am I hanging over the white line? Am I going to get in trouble with you know a motorcycle or a car coming the other way? Or a bicycle. And it's such a benefit. <laughs> or a bicycle. Um, so... Yeah, Mark, you got to stop me because we'll blow away the entire time of the podcast on this topic. <laughs> okay, well, I had to ask because somebody told me not to. So there you go. Uh, I think we could have a much longer conversation about this thing. And I'm going to stay in this topic for one second because I have to ask, do you think with the onset and the proliferation of EV vehicles, there is an opportunity to get to smaller wheel tire sizes? Do you think there's a benefit there since now we're going to have less stuff in the vehicle, lower weight, although batteries are kind of heavy. I think there is because two other benefits of smaller wheels with more of a sidewall are specifically relevant to EVs. And one is less rolling resistance. So if you have a slightly more flexible sidewall, you're using less energy in deforming that carcass. And also it makes it easier to achieve higher load ratings for EVs. Because you're right, even though we're carrying less stuff in it, the battery weight actually means we need higher load indices on the tires. And that works better with smaller wheels and tires. So yeah, I, I do think EVs will help us reverse the trend a little bit towards these oversized boots that we've been putting on cars in the last, uh, let's say, 10 or 15 years. Or rubber bands, as I call them. I do love the big <laughs> sidewalls. And we're going to talk about your SC a little bit later because I love the LG bodies. I've had several of those cars and it was hard for me to let the turbo go. Of course, that was a wider body because of the turbo uh, concept. But the SCs have just a delightful power plant that I love. Oh, I love the sound. Oh, yes. Yeah, everything's awesome. So we'll get back to that in a moment. But I want to dive into Inside the Machine, an engineer's tale of the modern automotive industry. This is a very intriguing book to me. Uh, why did you write this book? And maybe we can talk a little bit about some of the chapters and what you touch on. Yeah, Mark, you know, that 
really, I got I to gotta credit this to my wife, uh, Colleen, because I'm one of those boring guys that for years has been saying, you know, one of these days, I know so many tales from the car industry, I'm just going to write them down. And um, the year before last, uh, we, we moved back from California to, to France, and I had a little bit of time on my hands, and my wife said, okay, would you please shut up talking about writing this damn book and just get on with it. So she locked me in the in the spare bedroom. I fired up my 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 computer and and, and got it done. So that that's the story. It was it was kind of bubbling within me for for many years and I thought okay, I just got to write this and shut up talking about it. So what are some of the things that you talk about in this book and why should my listeners I know why because it's an awesome book, but why should they get their hands on this and and learn a little bit about the automotive industry because I believe what you've done here is you bring out some reality, some fun tales, some things about the industry that most of us probably have no idea happen. Yeah, you, you know what I was thinking about really were all my friends, family, you know, car folks. We 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 all have them. I, I, all of my friends are are into cars in one way or another. But even people who are quite enthusiastic about cars, they don't really have a good picture of where they come from, how they come into being. And then when you ask someone, you know. How do you think cars are, are created? The first image that springs into their mind is the image of the designer or the stylist, right? The guy who does the clay models, the, the, the artistic side of the business. Some, usually people have some image about that, but they don't really know what is the work of the engineers, the manufacturing people, the kind of grubby fingernail side of the business. So I thought, look, I'll try and write a book that explains that a little bit with enough technical content that it's going to be going to appeal to the, the geeks, you know, the gearheads but not too much tech, so it's going to turn off the general reader. So really, that was it. It's for anyone who's curious about the car industry and just wants to know a little bit more about where do these things come from. That was the, that was the inspiration, and hopefully it's hit the mark. It's a relatively short read. It's about 200 pages. It's true that it kind of concentrates a lot on European products. Most of the action takes place in Europe, a little bit in Japan, not so much in, the, in North America. But um, yeah, I'd encourage your readers, um, yeah, Pick it up, have a look through it, and hopefully you'll enjoy it. I think they will. Now, I like to ask my guests about what I call our driving inspirations. You've been around most likely some incredible people that have been very influential, very much uh, a mentor perhaps, and a driver, excuse the pun, in your career. Is there somebody that you'd like to maybe talk about a little bit that really helped you along the way? You know, Mark, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be super boring here, and I'm <laughs> sure I'm not the first of your 2,000-plus guests who's going to say this, but it's actually, i got to say, it's my dad. Um, awesome. You know, my, my dad's passed, passed, passed away a few years ago, but he, was, uh, he, had, he had gasoline or petrol, as we'd say, in his veins. Um, my dad wasn't an engineer. He, he was a Ford guy through and through. He worked on the production line in Ford. He was very, very proud of having served his time on the line in Ford back in the day when it was a, a tough job and a tough company. Um, he wore the blue oval on his, on, his, on his sleeve all his life. He get a chance typical of his generation, you know, to go to school, go to university, you know, get the education required to be an engineer. And he regretted that. He, he you know, he, he had to go out and make a living as, as a young guy, as his generation had to. And I remember, you know, my childhood was under old Fords, fixing them with my dad, passing him the wrenches, him explaining to me what the bits of a car were. And um he encouraged me to go as far as I could, gave me the opportunity to go to school, etc. So, yeah. My dad would be the inspiration all the way through and That's right awesome. through to the present day. I love it. I love it. We're going to take a short break. We come back. I want to talk about uh, maybe one. I'm no doubt you face a lot of challenges because you've worked on so many projects in so many capacities. But I want to touch on one that taught you a great lesson. So keep that thought in mind. Keep the seatbelts on. And we'll be right back. 
You've heard me talk about Linkage Magazine here on Cars, yeah, for a couple of years now. Well, they're growing. And in 2023, they're going to grow from four issues a year to six. And there's an opportunity here for you to take advantage of this growth. If you go to LinkageMag.com and click on the Renew button, if you already subscribe, you can get a great deal. Use the code RENEW6 for one year and you'll get six issues for the price of four or Type in Renew 12 for two years where you also have a great savings. Plus, they'll even throw in a free Linkage hat. How cool is that? The publisher of Linkage is Donald Osborne. He's been a guest multiple times here on Cars Yeah. He's become a good friend of mine. And I'll tell you, Linkage Magazine is one of those newer magazines that you're going to want to get. It's all about experiences, opinions, and values. It's a wonderful publication, something I look forward to getting. And now that I'm going to be getting six a year, even more special. So go to LinkageMag.com. Again, use the code RENEW6 or RENEW12 to get that special deal. Do it before December 31st, 2022, so that in 2023, you'll get six issues of Linkage Magazine instead of four. 20, 50, or 100 years from now, will there be a workforce to care for the collector vehicles we love? With auto shop programs disappearing across the country, it's a question we enthusiasts have to ask. That's why I support the RPM Foundation, which exists to ensure that the critical skills necessary to preserve and restore these vehicles aren't lost to time. One of the many ways RPM, which is short for Restoration preservation, and mentorship is accomplishing this goal is through workforce development initiatives. The RPM apprenticeship program enables the next generation of artisans to earn a living while they learn the craft of restoring and preserving these vehicles directly from industry professionals. The Endangered Skills Program documents the process of masters training future craftspeople on a variety of critical skills in danger of being lost forever. For more information on how the RPM Foundation is driving the future of the collector vehicle skills trade, visit RPM Foundation today. They're one of the charities of choice here on Cars Yeah. So David, I always ask my guests what I call is the challenge question. I would love for you to share a great challenge, maybe even a big failure along the way in your life. But more importantly, what did that teach you so that looking back, you went, you know, I'm kind of glad I had to go through that because it taught me a really valuable lesson. Yeah, you know, Mark, I'm going to go with the, I'm going to go with the failure option. I'm going to go with the car that, or the challenge, the business challenge that, if you if you'll allow me to, uh, to if you allow me in French, um, the challenge that kicked my ass. Okay. Yes. <laughs> this one was one that defeated me, but like you said, I think I learned more through you know not succeeding then i might have if we pulled it through and it's 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 the company you already mentioned in the intro it's it's biton um so yeah a, a really fascinating company so i, I can tell you a, a little bit that story and it's a yeah. story of failure yeah please do you know i love failures because that's how we learn they don't feel very good at the time but that's the key with this question is looking back you can say well okay i didn't like it too much but it was valuable Exactly, exactly. Tom, it, it, it taught me humility. And so, so listen, without boring you and our listeners too much with the detail, I mentioned I was working for, for Renault-Nissan based in Europe, you know, you know, being a sensible guy, company guy, uh, you know, ready to draw my pension. And I got headhunted, basically, to come to California and join this new startup called Bison. Um, now, this was back in around 2017. If you remember, there was quite a wave of EV startups. Mm-hmm. Some of them... Um, jointly funded between U.S. 
um, investors and Chinese investors, and Byton was one of those, right? There was a crop of, of, of companies at the time. It's a it's a cliche that I don't use too often, but I just use it to, to make things clear, you know, basically inspired by Tesla, trying to be the next Tesla. And a couple of them have got across the line since then, I'm glad to say, companies like Rivian and Lucid. But Byton was one of those that was trying to trying to pull off the almost impossible trick of, of creating a new car company. And I was hired as chief vehicle engineer and later on chief technical officer. And we were trying to build it from scratch. You know, we were uh, developing this new all-electric SUV, mainly aimed at the Chinese market, but also with ambitions to um, sell it in the States. Very interesting vehicle technically, and also I think with some very cool features and very you know, it was, it was an interesting product, but basically, we didn't manage to beat the statistic that 90% of startups failed. We were one of that 90%. And it was um, it was a tough experience. I, I, I learned a lot. I worked with some great people. We didn't manage to pull it off, but I'm, I'm super glad that I gave it a shot and gave it my best shot. You know, when I look at companies, and you mentioned a few there, and we go back, of course, to Tesla, the, of where of which they've come. And if anyone, most people think Tesla's just been around forever, always been a success, but you can go way back to the beginning. I saw the first Teslas that were uh, on on the lawn, the upper lawn at the Pebble Beach Concord decade ago, plus a couple decades yeah. ago. And this, you know, this company that was trying to put electric vehicles in little Lotus cars. And, and it this is a huge, huge battle. I've had a lot of people on the show here that are trying to do the same thing. If If there was one thing that you could pull out of that experience of why that didn't succeed. I have a feeling I know what it is, but maybe. What would you say that it would be? Great question, Mark. And I, I, I would say simply, and obviously it's an oversimplification, building a new company is really, really difficult. There's lots of pitfalls. But I would say, you know, it's not enough to have a great product. It's not enough to have recruited, you know, great engineers, passionate folks who are going to work, you know, all the hours that God sends. Uh, it's not enough to have the team spirit. It's not enough to have the passion. You need to back that up with a solid, basically, cash flow. Yeah. It's as simple yep. as that. You need to have the financial side of things, be that investment or be that clear revenue stream. You need to have that as squared away as the engineering. Brilliant engineering by itself is not enough. You need the excellent business people excellent fundraisers working alongside and that's where we went wrong we created the we made the classic startup error of simply running out of cash you know when you go back and read stories about people that have become super successful howard schultz uh with starbucks uh even microsoft Mm. um others that you know amazon jeff bezos how many times did he almost just have to you know cash it in because it's the same story over and over they have to go raise cash. And there's a great book about Howard Schultz where he went into a meeting where he really thought this is the end. It's all going to come to an end in this meeting. I, I, I'm not going to be able to pull this off. I need more money. I need more money. Same with Jeff Bezos. That is the key. It's the same in automobile racing too, right? It's always cash. For sure. For sure. And you, you know, Mark, we, we touched on it, but you know, uh, folks may love or may not love Tesla. You know, that's it. We could have all this debate on that as well, but I got to take my hat off to the company. You know, they were the first new car company to to come around for many, many decades. And I, I tip my hat again to anyone who's got the courage to try and have a shot at building a car, be it Rivian, be it Lucid, be it Faraday Future, be it anyone who's got the courage to say, okay, I'm going to have a swing at this. Knowing how difficult it is, 
I admire anyone who has a shot at it, and I wish them the best of luck. Well, and at every level, I mentioned our buddy Ben Headley and the little car company. Yeah. You know, I mean, same thing. I mean, who would take that risk? Well, Ben would. I mean, it's people like Ben and others, the Elon Musk of the world, the Steve Jobs of the world, all the people that take those challenges. Yeah, it's a repeated story. So there you go. Let's talk about special vehicles in your life. And we mentioned this earlier, uh, 1980 Porsche 911 SC, which is near and dear to your heart. Is that your special vehicle story? Uh, it is indeed. Well, I, I'm going to give you two. That That's my personal special vehicle. You know, I am that guy that had a, you know, a poster of a 911 on his bedroom wall when Me I was too. a kid. And Me I've always too. Been a, yep, 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 yep. I, actually, I, I had a 930. I had your car on my bedroom wall. Oh, cool. Um, awesome. <laughs> but um, yeah, that's, that's, that's my weekend car. I love it to bits. And, you know, I don't feel I need to talk to you, Mark, about how great 911s are. We'll, we'll bore our listeners. But I'm actually going to. You know, I'm going to nominate another car as my, okay. my special vehicle, which is, you already mentioned it in the intro, so it's it's the Alpine A110. Oh, now, yeah. I'm always a little reluctant to talk about it to you folks because I'm so conscious that it's not for sale in North America, and I still get hate mail to the present day from Alpine enthusiasts on that side of the pond who are saying, Dave, why can't we not buy this car over I know, here? But I know. I was... I know, I know. But I, you know, I had the great honor of being the chief vehicle engineer for that vehicle. Wow. I'm super proud of it. It's, it's, you know, it's, it's my daughter in automotive terms. <laughs> um, and I'm, 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 I'm embarrassingly proud about that car. So when you were working on that car, what, what, be, what years are we talking about? So the car was launched in 2017 and I was, so I was working on the car about four years before that. So as, as you know, the gestation of a car is somewhere around four to five years. So we're talking about roughly 2014 to 2018 in those years. When you think about that car, what is it that tugs on your heartstrings so hard? Other than the fact that you worked on it, because that adds a entirely I mean, just an inclusive element. But what is it about that vehicle? Because even for people over on this side of the pond that can't get their hands on those, it stands out. Is it because of the history and the lineage of where it goes back to, to the old rally racers? Yeah, it's it, it's partly, and you know, I'm Irish originally, but I'm also French. I've got dual nationality, so I can I can understand a little bit of the French psyche here. So the Alpine A110 is to France what the Porsche 911 is to Germany. Ah, it's it's it. such an emotive icon for French people. It's there's so much history involved with it. It's such it's part of the you know it's like the Ford Mustang you know of, of France. So that that's part of it. There's also the the technical aspects of the car. I'm really proud specifically of its low mass. We come back again to lightweight vehicles and agility. But the real reason, Mark, is 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 not that. The real reason is when I look at that car, I think of the team I led. So when I look at the car and I see the rear tail lights, for example, I remember the guy who designed them. I, I know that every part in that car is a person to me. I know the the hard nights we had, the stand-up fights we had, the you know the <laughs> parties we had, the trouble we had. So it's a when I look at the car, I don't see a car. I see a bunch of people who who created that car, and I know them all. And I, we we worked together. We were a band of brothers building on that car. So the car represents a bunch of people for me. Well, gee, this is where we always end up back here at Cars Jazz, yeah, the people, the people, the people, the people. And when I see that newer version you guys worked on, it takes me back to the 70s cars and that just that look and see. Are there any of the newer style that you worked on here in the U.S.? Can they even 
be driven here at this point, or is it one of those off-limit vehicles for us over here that they seem to always pile on us? You know, I'm afraid it's one of those side vehicles where we it it, it isn't compliant with FMVSS regulations, so you can't drive it in the states. Now, I happen to know there are a couple of um, wealthy collectors who've bought them simply as you know static show objects which I admire, but it, it, but it's a damn shame that car is designed to be driven. <laughs> yeah, well, it's like when the 959 came out, and you couldn't get those over here, and there was a couple guys that brought them over, and some got caught, and they got confiscated. When I was in high school, I was working for a Danish man who tried to sneak a, you'll know this car, Matra Simka Bagheera, I believe they call it. Ah, uh, yes. The three-seater. Yeah. yeah. He tried to sneak it into the country in a container full of Danish teak furniture. And uh, <laughs> he got caught. I was there when he got caught. I was a high school kid working at, you know, summer job delivering furniture for him. And I went down to the the shipping docks and to pick up some of the furniture in a truck. And when they opened that, the, you know, the uh, security guys were there. And the guy looked down and he goes, what's that? Well, some of the uh, coolant had leaked out and was running out of the trailer. Looked very much like coolant. And I went, I don't know what that is. I knew what it was, but I didn't know. And I didn't know there was a car in that trailer. They made us empty that trailer, and hidden in the back was a yellow Matra. And uh, they ended up taking that car and crushing it. I, I'd never, oh, seen, no. I'd never seen one before. I, I like, and they, of course, they're looking at me. I'm just a little kid going, I, I don't know. I'm just a high school kid. I just came down here to pick up furniture. Uh, but yeah, he got caught. And uh, they confiscated that car, and it went to the crusher, sadly. So uh, that was uh, my, my matra, matra story. So <laughs> kind of interesting. So I'm going to be a car psychologist. I have a degree in that. Uh, it's, it's hanging on a wall somewhere around here. I don't know where it is, though. <laughs> if you were manifest or reincarnated as a vehicle, David, this isn't what you want to be, though. This is how you got to dig deep into your engineering background. What would you be and why? Uh, this is this required a little bit of digging. Um, so I, I mentioned I started my career with Nissan, and I'm still I've still got a I'm still a big Nissan guy also. So I'm gonna be Mark, and this is this is a very niche vehicle. It's uh, your younger listeners won't know what this is, but I'm I think I'm a Nissan Sentra SER, ah. which you might remember was the yep. slightly hot version of the Sentra that Nissan sold in the in the 90s and up, up in the early 2000s. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's kind of cool. I mean, kind of little, uh, I don't know, I'm trying to, was that car a, a hatchback or was it, did it have a trunk? I'm trying to remember. It had a trunk. And a it, trunk. there was a hatchback version in, in Japan, but in the States, it always had a trunk. Okay, okay. Maybe that's where I came from. I, I had a friend that was from Japan and he would always share, uh, there was a Japanese car book. I think it was called uh, Two Initials, G. GR or something or SR. It was a Japanese magazine that had a lot of car stuff in it. And actually, decades ago, my wife and I were featured in that as a little story about art. They came over here to the U.S. and they came to my garage and took pictures of the garage and my cars. Because in Japan, of course, the garages are tiny, tiny. And over here, we have a big three-car garage. And so they think it's like they think everybody in the U.S. has giant garages. So, um, yeah. But uh, that's where that car stuck in my mind because I used to get that magazine and see a lot of cars that I've never seen before that were only in Japan. So very cool. Well, that makes sense to me. Well, 
Of course, we always ask about great books. We're going to promote this book again, Inside the Machine by my guest today, David Tuig. I'll put a link to that so that you listeners can get your hands on it. I encourage you to get a copy of this book because if you're into cars, if you're listening to cars, yeah, you are, you're going to like it. So David, I'm going to take you on the ultimate drive today. I'm going to park any car you'd like in your garage. You can take it anywhere for a drive. And here's the key. You can take anyone with you, even somebody who's no longer with us. So what does the ultimate drive look like for you since I'm writing the check? Oh man, this is a tough one, Mark. I had, I, I had so many options here. I was, <laughs> yeah, no I was, I was thinking Porsche 917. I was dreaming the Ooh. Le Mans circuit. Ooh. I was going back to pre-war Bentley blowers. I, this, this was, this was, this was so hard, but what I'm going to ask you to magic up for me. Um, first of all, I know this sounds a bit selfish, but I'm going to be alone. Okay. And that's okay. The, re- the reason I'm going to be alone is I actually drive better when I'm by myself. I'm, um, you know, I, I, I'm not worrying about the passenger if they're feeling okay, if they're feeling sick, if they're scared or whatever. And I think if I'm alone, I can really soak up the car and the environment. I know that sounds a little bit selfish. No, I get it because um, when I'm driving, I drive my wife crazy. She calls me LMM, last minute mark. And I go, why do you call me that? And she goes, because you always wait the last minute to exit. You always try to see how many cars you can pass. And yeah, she's always grabbing the door handle. So I get it. I understand, David. And what I'm going to go for, the car and the place. So the car, I'm going to go for a Lancia Stratos. Oh, nice. Iconic 70s rally car that's like always for me. It's at night on a rally stage in the snow with that ripping exhaust sound. Um, So it's going to be a Lancia Stratos. And it's going to be on my favorite road, which is in sunny California. It's the... Highway 84 that goes from La Honda right up there on the on the skyline and goes right down to the Pacific coast. It's this beautiful ribbon of tarmac going through the redwoods. And I have such great memories of that road on motorcycles, cars, and my old Porsche 911. So, yeah, it's an Alencia Stratos on Highway 84 with a full tank of petrol, please. Nice choice. Yeah, that's cool. I know that road because I bought a, uh, a Beck Spider. You know who Chuck Beck is? Mm. Yeah. It was a car that um, John Wilhoyt, who restores old Porsches, he built for a client using a Beck chassis and body, but he built it with all Porsche parts, including the engine. And my son, when he was eight years old, and I drove that car from Long Beach back to Gig Harbor, 1,500-mile drive, and we cut over and did that drive, because I know of it oh, so man. well. So. That was in a little Beck Spider with no top, no heater, no radio. And uh, yeah, uh, you, you picked a nice roadway. That is a wonderful, a wonderful roadway. That was a wonderful trip. We spent five days doing that. I, I still have great memories of that. It was super fun. All right, I'll get shopping on that Lancia Stratos. Yeah, that's that's going to cost me a blood <laughs> But that's okay. For you, I'm happy to do that. David, you've taken us on a wonderful drive today, and I can't thank you enough for stopping and taking a little pit stop with me today on your travels over there in the UK. Before I let you go, though, could you share maybe some words of inspiration or success quote or a mantra? Yeah, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to leave you, you folks with two, hopefully. Awesome. Mark, the first one, I'm just going to steal this. And this comes from, you know, that I'm speaking to you guys in the UK. So I think I, I need to steal a quote or a mantra from, from Winston Churchill. And yes. as you know, uh, Churchill had so many great quotes, but my favorite one, which I think is very applicable to the car industry is the following. Churchill said, 
when you're going through hell, <laughs> keep going. Yes. Um, and I think that's 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 really useful one to us in the in the car industry. But and to to leave you with kind of my own thoughts, especially for my colleagues in the industry, you know, because it's sometimes tough. It's a tough business. It's not always easy, and 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 times are tough right now. And I just think you know. Um, I know this podcast is going to go out at around Thanksgiving, and I just want to remind us all, you know, we are so lucky and we should give thanks that we work in an industry where we get to play with cars and we get paid for that. So I just want to remember, remind all my colleagues when things get tough and you have a hard day in the office, just remember this is a great industry. And we're just playing with cars and we're so lucky to do that. You know, you said it really well. And of course, yeah, this show is airing on Thanksgiving. And uh, yeah, I, I definitely want to give thanks to you, David, and all the incredible, inspiring automotive enthusiasts who've taken time out of their busy schedules to be guests here and share their inspiration with everyone. I hope everyone listening today is with family, friends, taking some time off to relax, give gratitude, and be thankful for whatever you have, whether it's great and grand or small and me. Uh, we're all fortunate to have what we have. So thank you for those great words. Can people, how do people follow you? Is maybe a LinkedIn connection or is there a way for people to keep up with you? Yeah, I'm, I'm pretty lucky, Mark, because my, my family name is pretty unusual, Tuig. Yes. So yeah, you can find me under that handle on LinkedIn. I do a fair bit on Twitter as well. And also, you know, I'll do a little plug for the intercooler. So that's www theintercooler.com check it out um, I'm one of the contributors but there's some great automotive writing on there and a, a wide range of topics so yeah you can find me at any of those places absolutely and a big shout out to our buddy Ben Headley from the Little Car Company for connecting David and I today David thank you so much for taking time and spending with us today until you and I talk again I'll see you down the road thank you Mark have a great Thanksgiving Thank you so much for joining us on today's ride here at Cars Yeah. Drive on over to CarsYeah.com to find show notes and inspiring automotive fun. Download your free copy of Filler Up, a fun book filled with gorgeous photographs of fuel filler fun, including quotes from more inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Download your copy today, and we'll see you next time on Cars Yeah.